you know, we live in a day and time where it seems like something as simple as a conversation just doesn't take place anymore. We comment on Facebook, we send text messages, we send private messages, we send the emoji. But to actually sit down one-on-one with somebody and have a conversation with them, we're just too busy for that now. We don't have time for that now. It, it seems like a hassle now because it made it so much easier just to shoot off a text. But there's just something powerful about a conversation. There's something powerful about sitting down, putting the phone away, turning the TV off, pouring a cup of coffee, pouring a cold beer, pouring a shot of whiskey, whatever your cup of tea is, and just having a conversation with somebody. I don't know what it is about that action, but it literally is life-changing. To get to know somebody, to get to talk to somebody, to get to converse with somebody, to ask them questions, them ask you questions, and hear about what's going on in each other's lives is an amazing thing. Contrary to popular belief, we were actually created for relationships. The Bible says that God created everything into existence. He spoke the animals into existence and the world into existence and the skies and the day and the night and the trees and the flowers. And he looked out over everything that he created and he said, it's good. But then he looked out over man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now we know, of course, in that verse, he then created him a helpmate. But the context is this. We weren't designed to do life alone. And I think we'd be so much healthier, so much better if we would just take time out of the busyness and just sit down and have conversations with people. We're in the second week of a series that we're calling Conversations with Jesus. And the premise of this series is very, very simple. If you could sit down with Jesus one-on-one, Whatever it is, over, like I said, a cup of coffee, a cold beer, a shot of liquor, whether it's sitting down over a bagel, whatever it is you would want to do, if you could sit down with Jesus and ask him any question, what are the questions that you would ask him? And I asked this question a few months ago on Facebook. I didn't know if I was going to do this series, but I asked it, and I got so many responses, and I began to tally up the responses. And, I, and it was funny. There was about seven different things that almost everyone asked But there was five things that were the overwhelming majority of the things that people would ask Jesus. So the month of September, we're just looking at those questions. And last week, we answered the question. We sat down. We got to ask Jesus, can God really forgive me? Can God really forgive me? So many of us live with so much guilt and so much doubt and so much just anguish from things we've done in the past that we can't be used today because we're living in yesterday. And if you missed that podcast, you can go into your app store. You can download the app. You can go to iTunes and download that. You can go to actionchurch.tv and download that for free. You can hear that message. But today we're going to answer this question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is one of those questions that every single person here at one time or another has asked. Why do bad things happen to good people? Matter of fact, I'll go as far to say this might be one of the number one reasons people want nothing to do with God. Because, man, he's God when things are great. He's God when he's doing what we want him to do. He's God when we're healthy, we're wealthy, and wise. But when we're broke, busted, and disgusted, I don't know if that's the kind of God that I want to serve. I don't understand why a good God would allow bad things to happen to good people. It's one of those questions that every one of us have struggled with. Why does God allow good people to go through bad times. Why doesn't God seem fair? Oh, a little side note there, you don't want God to be fair. He's a just God, 
but we don't want them to be fair. Because if we got what we deserved, anyway. You know what's funny is us asking that question isn't anything new. This book is full of people who asked that very question. It's a common question to ask because in life we see horrible things happen to people that we deem good and we just don't understand it. And it's a question that's as old as time. I mean, in the Old Testament, Abraham asked the question, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Jeremiah said, God, why do the wicked prosper? It's not fair that bad people are getting rich and the good people aren't. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, he struggled with this question. David, over and over, David, a man who the Bible says a man after God's own heart. I should do a series on David. Woo! David was awesome, and David was a screw-up, man. Yeah, God loved David. I, I think I'll do that. i got to come up with a catchy name for it. Over and over and over and over and over in the Psalms, David asked God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, where are you? Why don't you show yourself to me? God, why don't you deliver me? God, why don't you seem fair? Why do bad things happen to good people? Now today, here's how we ask that question. God, why do so many children starve to death? I mean, if you're a good God, why do children go hungry? Well, God, why are there so many diseases that are preventable, yet people are dying all over the world from those diseases? Anytime there's a natural disaster, we ask, why would God allow that hurricane? Why would God allow that tornado? Why would God allow that earthquake? Why do bad things happen to good people? Fair questions. And I believe there are things that we should talk about. And if we were sitting down with Jesus, i got to be honest with you, probably one of the questions that I would ask. But here's the deal. I've been doing this gig a long time. I was in a meeting this week with our city, and a gentleman got up right before I was to speak, and he spoke. He identified himself as the pastor of such and such church, and he was head of the ministerial association here. I didn't even know we had a ministerial association here. I've never been invited to any of those meetings, Kylie. <laughs> and he told the council, he said, I've met with every pastor in the county this week. And none of them are for what they were voting on. I didn't know that I was next on the list. So the next person to speak is just a poet. They said, Gary Lamb. So I went down and I said, well, contrary to popular belief, I pastor in this community. And I've been doing this gig for 22 years, and I've been doing it in the city of Canton for 15 years. So I by no means am an expert, but I've been around the block a few times. And I wish today that I could tell you 100% why this happens. I actually had a professor in Bible college. Yeah, contrary to proper belief, I went to Bible college. Tell us one time, he said, never get on the stage and tell the crowd you don't know the answer. This is what he told me. He said, make it up if you have to. Well, I don't do good at making things up. And I don't have the answer. And I don't know the answer. And I wish I could give you the answer. But I do know this. When people are asking this question, <laughs> they're really not concerned about what's happening in other countries. They really don't care that a natural disaster happened. They really don't even care that it's happening to someone else across town that they don't know. That might be the guys that they asked the question under but when we ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? What we're really asking is, why do bad things happen to me? 
I know women in this church, and you've been questioning, God, why did you allow me to get abused? Where were you, God, when I was a little girl and that young man took advantage of me? Some of you are asking, God, why didn't you help my marriage survive? All I wanted out of life was to live happily ever after. Why did you allow my marriage to fall apart? God, why can't we have children? We've been trying and trying, and that person over there who doesn't even want their kids. I get it. We ask those questions all the time. God, why did I get laid off from work? I work harder than anybody there. God, why can't I get ahead? I'm busting my butt to live a godly life. I'm trying to live by financial principles. And every time I take one step forward, I take two steps back. Why, God? Someone wrote me this week and said, My wife is my world. He said, I've worked and I've loved and I've sacrificed, and yet she cheats over and over and over. I keep taking her back, and in the process, my kids don't respect me, she doesn't respect me, and I just don't understand why God allows this to happen. And I believe that we want to give God the benefit of the doubt. We want to say, God, I believe in you, and you're a good God, and because you're a good God, good things are going to happen. But we see bad things happen all the time. And we feel forced to say, I guess God can't be good. And I guess God isn't in control. Because if God was good, this wouldn't be happening. And if God is in control, and this is happening, that's not the type of God I want to serve. I come in contact with people all the time who say, man, I want nothing to do with God because a loving God wouldn't allow those unloving things to happen to people who are good. I can't trust God because bad things happen. I don't even know if God exists because these things happen. Why don't you seem fair, God? Why, God, why do bad things happen to good people? And I don't have an answer for you today. I have some thoughts for you. I have some things to make you ponder today. But I can't get up today and give you three points in a poem and send you on your way. Because God's ways are not our ways. There's times as your pastor, I'm not going to be able to answer every question clearly. So what I can do is do what so many pastors do. I can treat it like a buffet and skip that. I can treat this question, how many of you ever been to Golden Corral? You know what's always full at Golden Corral? The asparagus. The chicken might be gone. The mashed potatoes might be gone. The macaroni and cheese might be gone. The cookies are gone. You're waiting for them to bring more steak out. But let me tell you something. If you're into asparagus, it's always there because we skip it. Why they even put asparagus on there is beyond me. It's right up there with cats. It's of the devil. Sorry, someone told me I hadn't made a cat joke in a while. We could treat this question like the asparagus and just skip it. Someone's phone's ringing backstage. We could uh, lie about the answer. I could take some scripture today. Let me tell you something. I don't think I'm the best preacher in the world. But I think this. I am a charismatic enough and a dynamic enough and I know enough Bible that I could take a scripture out of context, put you some points together that rhyme and tell you some funny stories, and shuck the corn like it ain't nobody's business, and you could leave here today and be like, holy smokes, that's the answer. But I don't know that to be the biblical answer. There's just some things there's no concrete answers to, but there's some thoughts 
two. <laughs> we had this mindset in the church also that if bad things are happening to somebody, it must be because they did something bad. Well, you know why they're going through that. You know behind closed doors what they do. You know what they've been involved in. Are you any surprised by that? They've been doing you know what over here. So of course this unrelated bad thing that has nothing to do with over here is what's happening to them. And that's the church's answer for everything. This unrelated thing you're doing is leading to this un totally unrelated punishment from God. Why is this happening to me? I don't know. Do you have any sin in your life? <laughs> such BS. Golly, such BS. The church, the church in general, if you're from another church today, man, I, I'm not trying to upset you. But man, the scare tactics in the church blow my mind. Instead of giving people concrete answers or encouraging them in the Word of God, let's just scare them. Our city is going through an ordinance change right now where there's a group trying to say, let's have open container in downtown Canton, which simply means if you're at this restaurant and you want to walk down to this store or walk down to that store, you can walk with your drink down there in the evenings on Friday and Saturday night, and boy, all hell is broke loose. And that's cool. Man, I, am, I think people have the right to be on both sides of the opinion. There's times I have thoughts on both sides of the opinion. But those that are opposed to this ordinance, I've now been in two city council meetings, and the scare tactics they use, literally, literally, one of them said this last week, a pastor if we're going to allow people to walk only on Main Street with a beer, we might as well allow prostitutes to walk only on Main Street. <laughs> then one of them said, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Next thing you know, we're going to have strip clubs on Main Street in downtown Canton. Now, I'm not saying I'm for or against strip clubs. I'm just saying I don't understand what that has to do with walking around with a beer. Then one of them, listen to me. I'm talking about scare tactics. Walk down in front of the council with their one-week-old baby and said if the ordinance gets passed, they're afraid to, with tears coming down their face. That they're scared to take their baby to the pediatrician on Main Street because there'll be so many drunks around. Scare tactics. I did some investigating. I have a spy, a mole, if you will. <laughs> I have a pastor friend who pastors a very traditional church. Yet he secretly loves me. He's one of those guys that always brings the stuff in the shelter. He's like, hey, don't post on Facebook that we brought this. <laughs> you, know? you know. So I said, hey, did you know there's a ministerial association? He started, he said, yeah. He said, you get brought up a lot in those meetings. I said, oh. I said, why'd you never tell me? He said, because you won't shut up about it. You'll get on Facebook calling them out and they'll know I'm a mole. But this is the way to I said, well, tell me about the meeting about the open container. He said it wasn't a meeting about open container. He goes, they said they're going to be an open container. And then he said, then the whole meeting turned into they're trying to open a gay bar on Main Street. We've got to stop it. I said, what? He said, I'm telling you, that's what it was all about. 45 minutes about it. Here's the funny thing. If you want to open a gay bar on Main Street, you can. The ordinances are there. All you got to do is sell 60% food. Lord. Maybe we'll have church there on Sunday. We need a smaller building. <laughs> but scare tactics. Let's not look at the issue at hand. Let's scare all the way around. And that's what we do with this. 
Let's scare you in. It must not be God who allows these bad things to happen. It must not be karma. It must not be you just made stupid decisions. It might just be there's sin in your life. And we don't know what the sin is, and that's the great equalizer right there. Like, I don't know what the sin is in your life, but I know it's there. You can keep it hidden, but it's there. And only you know. And you need to get deep with God and dig. There's nothing I don't know. No, 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 you know. You know you're secretly drinking, and that's why now this person over here is sick. It's the logic. So why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know, but there's some thoughts along the line. Maybe, just maybe, you're simply a victim of a broken world. If you hang out in the book of Genesis, for those of you who don't know, that's the first book in the Bible. It's the book of creation. And if you hang out in chapter 1, 2, 3, you'll see that God created the world and everything in it and that it was good. We got to walk around naked. We got to talk to animals. Like, how cool would that be? I've never done that sober. Like, you just get to go up and pull some fruit off the tree and eat it, and life is just good. Nakedness, talking to animals, chilling. Life was good. Then Adam and Eve sinned against the world. Now, world, not so good. Consequences for sin. Once sin entered into the world, there was punishment, there was consequences, there was curses for sin. Ladies, now you have to have babies, and it's painful, and it stinks, and men, we got to work the ground, and we got to work hard, and there's sickness, and there's death, and there's pain, and there's sin. And in fact, in John 16, the Bible says this. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have I'm telling you these things, so that when these things happen, you can still have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Let me break that down for you in the original language, the Greek. In the Greek, that means in this world, you will have trouble. I, you know, I would read the Bible, but it's just complicated and I don't understand it. Here's what this means. In this world, life's going to suck. Things are going to go wrong. People are going to hurt you. Things are going to happen. Sickness is going to happen. Financial problems are going to happen. Things are going to happen. But take heart. Jesus, I've overcome the world. We live in a day and time where we have both ends of the spectrum. We have a group that says everything happens because you've done something wrong. And then we have a whole other group of preachers that get up and say, man, God loves you. And when you follow God, everything's going to be daisies and bubbles and unicorn farts. And you're never going to have any problems. And life's going to taste like cotton candy everywhere. And everything's going to be wonderful. But Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe We just live in a broken world. He never said in this world you're not going to have a headache. He never said no one's going to pull out in front of you in traffic and flip you off. He never said no one's going to betray you. He never said, man, you're going to be broke. He never said your car's never going to be broke down. He never said, man, hey, you're not going to have sickness. He never said, hey, that cat that you got isn't going to puke on your couch. It's your fault for getting a cat. He just simply said, hey, in this world... You're going to have trouble. Life's hard sometimes. Where's James Hatfield at? Probably outside because he don't make it into a service to ever save his freaking life. Where's he at? Raise your stand up. And you know what? You brought it upon yourself because you let everybody know your freaking business. James had a rough week. And he got through the week clean. I called him. I reached out to him. He told me what was going on. I'm not going to air that part of his business here. But you know what I wanted to tell him? I wanted to give him something encouraging. I wanted to say that. And at the end, I said, yeah, man, that sucks. Life happens. 
That doesn't change the hurt. It doesn't change the heartache. It doesn't change the anger. It doesn't change the frustration. Sometimes life just sucks. We live in a broken world, check it out, with broken people, and broken people do broken things. So just maybe, maybe, bad things happen to good people because of the world that we live in. Trouble, pain, hard times, things you don't like, things you don't understand. God promises us. We always talk about the encouraging promises of God. This is not such an encouraging one at first because it says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Take it to the bank, baby. But he says, don't worry about it. Have peace. I've overcome the world. Years ago, I met this pastor starting a church. At that time, I was pastoring a very large church, and I was traveling the country. I would preach on Sunday. I'd get on a plane, and I was gone every week Sunday through about Wednesday. And I was in church planting conferences and meetings with young pastors. At that time, I was about 31, 32 years old. And um, I had probably, uh, probably one of the top 12 or 13 churches in America size-wise for pastors under 30. So I got to travel a lot. And it was cool and it was fun. I had a good time. And I met this young guy starting a church. And, um, man, you ever meet one of those guys and you're like, this dude just has it together. Like, he just looks like he could have been the starting quarterback of a college football team. Turns out he was, at one time, the starting quarterback. I guess you called a football team. It was Vanderbilt, but still. He was starting quarterback of a college team. I mean, he was just in shape and good-looking and just oozed confidence. He'd raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a church in California. And he had a beautiful wife, and they were, had one child, and she was pregnant. And, man, you just ever meet somebody, and you're like, they got it together. And he, listen, I've been around some fake freaking preachers in my life, but he was the real deal. Haven't really even communicated with him. Haven't even thought about him in 10 years. About three weeks ago, I saw all over Facebook that he had killed himself and taking his life. You saw me share that on Facebook. And I was devastated. And I was shocked. And I thought, man, there must have been some craziness. That, man, guilty. Must have been some craziness in his life he was trying to cover up. And then his wife wrote a blog post, and I shared that post. And, oh, man, it was powerful about her husband and how much she loved him and blah, 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 blah. And I got to admit to you, man, I questioned God. Why would this happen but we live in a broken world he suffered from depression the stress in the his church was huge I, i've been there I, I know that pressure i i him ten thousand times more than i ever dealt with always being in the spotlight always being on pastoring's the only job where you're the ceo and got to answer the stakeholders every seven days everybody's got an opinion on how it ought to be done People say, how do you get through that? I get through because we don't have our church set up that way. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Someone said, do we vote here on the city? I said, we vote every Sunday if you show up. <laughs> if you show up, it means we go another Sunday. If you don't show up, I'm like, ah, I guess they didn't like that decision. But man, he's just simply a victim. of. I, I, I've asked myself over and over, why did that happen? Why? We just live in a broken world. We just live in a broken world. Maybe, just maybe, you brought it upon yourself. Now, wait a minute, Gary. You just said that this doesn't happen because of my sin. No, 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 that's not what I said. I said what you did over here that has nothing to do with what's happening over here isn't why you're going through a hard time. But just maybe, as pastorly as I can think, I feel bad because, like, I see some people here visiting today, and they're like, I don't want to be offensive to them. But maybe, and the only way I know to describe it is you're just stupid. <laughs> Let me phrase it. I don't like that because you're not stupid. Maybe you just made a stupid decision. Maybe you just made an idiotic decision 
and now bad things are happening to you. There are direct consequences for our sinful behavior. If you go to a party, you have too much to drink, you get behind the wheel of the car, you drive home, you get pulled over, you get a DUI. Why did God allow this to happen? God didn't allow it to happen. You were stupid. Well, I've got a DUI. I, I'm, I'm, I get it. I get it. Not saying you're stupid, but that was stupid. I don't care. If that offends you, don't come back. It was irresponsible. Whatever consequences you dealt with, I, I'm sorry. And I hope it learns. We had a, a young man dealing with something like that right now. And man, he might be faking and acting. I don't know. I have never seen a young man more willing to take responsibility and own up to it. And, and it horrible mistake. And I, from what I see of the kid, it's not who he is and it doesn't define him. But guess what? He's going to have to deal with the consequences of it. And like a man... He's dealing with those consequences. Not one time am I talking with him or his mother. Have I heard them say, why is this happening? You know what that lets me know? They're going to get through it. It's going to be hard. They're going to be awesome. They're going to rebound from this. And it's, One day, I'll get to this at the end of the message, one day it's going to be a blessing and shaping of that person's life. Sometimes we just make dumb decisions. Hey, let me introduce myself to you for a minute. Gary Lamb, 691 Marietta Road, years old. And I make stupid decisions all the time. King of it. I ain't judging you today. I'm a, I, I do stupid stuff. I write stuff on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, my God, why is everybody losing their mind? Because like, you're an idiot, and you wrote it on Facebook. <laughs> oh. Maybe you just brought it upon yourself. <laughs> Galatians 6 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. God, why am I hurting financially? Well, because you make $30,000 a year and you bought a $45,000 car. Well, I qualified for the loan. Okay. I talked to some of the other day and they said, man, I just got pre-approved for a $300,000 loan on a house. And I said, didn't you just start that job with the, I knew where they worked at. Yeah. There's so many doors. I said, well, well, how much money do you make at that job? I, he said, I'm making about $34,000 a year. Praise God, $34,000 a year. Awesome. Probably don't need to go buy a $300,000 home. Don't understand why I'm broke. Because you don't know how to spend your money. That's not God's fault. Why are you blaming God because you made, some, made a stupid decision? God, I don't know why this relationship's not going good. You met her in a bar. She was drunk, you were drunk, and you married her the next day. You didn't even know she had four kids. Did you think it was going to go good? I just don't understand... Why? It's not, it's just not working. Oh, probably because, man, you're on fire for God and you love Jesus. And she, she don't even care about that, but that's, that's her problem. No, 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 it's your problem. You made a stupid decision. I love you. I'm not mad at you. Your stupid decision doesn't affect me. But look in the mirror. Man, maybe you just made a dumb decision. Gary, why is my marriage falling apart? Probably because you're lazy. And you don't work at your marriage. And you don't communicate. <laughs> Again, Gary Lamb, stupid. Been there. The more I work, it, my marriage will hurt, the better it goes. 
And then when I don't work at my marriage with her and I work on something else, this starts to fall apart, king of that. Because what we do is we think it's good, I'm going to quit working at it. What it's good is when you need to keep working at it. It's like people with medicine. I'm feeling good, I quit taking my medicine. Well, you're feeling good because you're taking your medicine. You know? Hey, maybe you just brought it upon yourself. This is not a very encouraging message, Pastor. Go home and watch Joel Osteen. I'm not dogging Joel. I'm just saying go home and watch him. He'll encourage you today. Joel don't got to pastor you. I do. And it's the honor of my life. But I'm the one who's walking with you. My wife's the one walking with you when your marriage is falling apart, when your finances are falling apart, when your addiction's taking over, and all these things are going wrong. It's not my job to make you feel good on Sunday. It's my job to love you and tell you the truth. And I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because I've been there, done that, and it's your job to be there with me when I'm going through it. Why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe you brought it upon yourself. Maybe. Maybe we live in a broken world. Maybe God wants to do something big. Maybe, though you don't understand it, maybe it's something you would have never asked for. Maybe it's something that's hurting you so deeply. Maybe one day through what you're going through, God's going to use that for something big to impact somebody else's life. I don't understand this mess today. I know. But maybe one day, someone's going to come along and you're ministering to them. And you're going to minister to somebody that I could never minister to because I ain't been there. I can't relate. I don't have the heartache. Our ministry comes from our mess. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to do something big in your life. <laughs> I love a story in John. It's about chapter 9. There's a guy, he was born blind. I don't know about you, but anytime I read about someone being blind in the Bible, and I think of Bob, it's amazing when you know someone like that because it makes it hit home to you. And this guy was born blind. Now, put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Now, my favorite thing to do, and I'm not saying this is Christian, but my favorite thing to do is to go up to Bob when he's at the door greeting because I think it's just awesome we have a blind greeter. As I always like to say, Bob, you know what that person next to you looks like? And I describe them in a totally different way than they are. And Bob's like, that's awesome. And that's just because I'm mean like that. Bob told me one time he had 20-20 vision in his hands. <laughs> Lady, stay away from Bob. <laughs> but imagine this guy in this story. He's born blind. He's got brothers and he's got sisters and they can see and they're running around and they're able to have a normal childhood. And this kid can't see anything. I can't imagine what it, I, just, I can't even fathom it. I know another guy who's in the process. The doctors have told him in the next 10 years he'll be blind. That seems hard. I can't imagine going through that. I think I would want to soak in everything I could. It just doesn't seem fair that he's born blind. And then suddenly all these people start gathering around Jesus and asking him about the blind guy. Hey, Jesus, what kind of sin was in his life? Hey, Jesus what his parents do. Jesus was the mom running around. She had an affair, and so that was the consequence the kid was born blind. Because that's what we love to do. We've got to blame something. It's got to be their sin. Jesus comes along and says, hey, new category. He didn't do anything, and his parents didn't do anything. He says in John 9, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Look what he says. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Amen. 
In other words, the things this guy would have never asked for, being blind, the thing this guy didn't understand, the thing that was the hardest on him, the fact that he was born blind, Jesus comes along to his new category. The moment he goes from being blind to seeing, his life has been forever changed, and now he's got a story telling. You know what that story is? Jesus healed me. I was blind, but now I see. That man who says he's the Messiah, I don't know, but I know when he touched me, I was never the same. New category. What was evil, what was meant for harm, what was meant for bad, Jesus turned to good. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, put into prison. And then through a weird series of events, he's elevated to second in command of the entire country. A famine hits the country. He, because of his knowledge, was able to make sure they had enough food to feed everybody in the country. Not only everybody in the country but people in other countries, and they would come before him and ask for food. And one day, he's chilling on the throne. He looks down, and there's the brothers who sold him into slavery. Needing food, needing revenue. They have no idea. That's Joseph. I bet there was a lot of days when Joseph was like, why, why, why? And God's like, just wait, just wait. Just wait. It's going to all make sense in the end. I'm going to take your biggest misery. I'm going to take your biggest mess. And I'm going to turn it into the greatest ministry you've ever had that's going to impact lives in ways that you never imagined they would be impacted. Somebody say amen. You don't know why you're going through it now. You don't understand why you're going through it. You're angry at me. You're angry at God. You're angry at everybody around you because it's just not fair. And God says, it ain't fair. But I never said I was fair. But one day, you're going to understand. One day, somebody's going to be at the end of their rope and not feel like they have any hope, and not feel like they can go on, and they're going to come along your path, and you're going to be looking at them and say, hey, I get it. I understand. I understand the hurt. I understand the heartache. I understand the pain. I understand the anger. I understand the frustration. And let me tell you what God did in my life during that time. I know couples today that tell you their marriage is stronger than it's never been. Why? Because of the hell they went through then. I know kid, parents that have relationships with their kids that are amazing today. Five years ago, man, they weren't even on speaking terms. Maybe, just maybe, God's getting ready to do something big. <laughs> I have been through some stuff in my life. Some of the stuff I have been through is because we live in a broken world. Most of the stuff I have been through in my life is because I am stupid and make stupid decisions. But every now and then, there's some things I go through in life that I don't understand. And I look back now and just see that God wanted to do something big. This church, I believe, exists. Because God wanted to do something big. Now, that seems weird to our worldly standards. Because this church runs about a tenth of what my last church ran. But has about a hundred times the impact in our community than that church did when I was there. More addicts have been cleaned and homeless have got on their feet and more families have been fed and more people who don't do church have got plugged in. See, God's ways are not our ways. There's times I told some of the other day, I said, I told my buddy the other day, I told it's part of that ministerial association. I said, hey, any of them churches you pastor available? He said, what do you mean? I said, like them churches you pastor. He said, what do you mean churches I pastor? I said, I don't know, like an old country church, man, and like they don't want to do anything and they just want me to come sit on, on the front porch with old people and drink sweet tea and they pay. 
Man, I'm available. He said, what are you talking? I said, oh, it just seems like it'd be fine. He said, you die in about seven days pastoring the church I pastor. This is what he told me. He said, you know we had a business meeting the other week? I said, yeah, what was it about? What color we were going to paint the walls? I said, that sounds hard. He goes, it went on for three hours. He goes, you wouldn't last. He goes, you'd either run everybody off the first week or they'd kill you the second week. <laughs> so I guess I'll just stay down here in the ghetto. <laughs> I don't want to belittle what you're going through. Because it's a big deal to you. And if it's a big deal to you, that's all that matters. But maybe God's just getting you ready to do things you never imagined you would do. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. Maybe it's a broken world. Maybe self-induced. Maybe God's getting ready to do something big. But there is one thing I know for sure. One thing I know for sure. For sure, God's doing something in you. For sure, God's doing something in you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When you're going through hell, God's doing something in you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your spiritual background. It doesn't matter if you even believe in God or not. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Every single one of you have been through something in your life you didn't like, that you didn't understand, something that you knew wasn't fair. But I bet you'd look back today and say, you know what? That incident shaped me, and it molded me, and God used me during that time. I am who I am today because of the hell I went through yesterday. I've heard people say the lowest point in my life was when I drew to God the most. Yeah, it's amazing. I love this quote from The Dark Knight. Harvey Dent gets up and he says, the night is the darkest just before the dawn. And I promise you the dawn is coming. It might seem hopeless right now. It might, I got some areas in my life, I get it. It might seem frustrating right now. But the darkest times are right before the sun begins to break through. You can walk away from God during the bad times. And here's the deal. It won't change anything. You can blame God. He's a big guy with big shoulders. But it won't do you any good. Or you can breathe, accept what you're going through, evaluate why it's happening. Is this just happening because it's happening and we live in a broken world? Is this happening because I made some stupid decisions? Is this just happening because God's getting ready to do something in my life? But regardless of that, just be like, man, what's God trying to do in me during this time? I've told you for weeks now, God's getting ready to do something big here. The buzz is going to look like something we never imagined. This place has always been a refuge. But sometimes a refuge can just flounder around until finally the word gets out and the word's getting out. I've always said it's an island of misfit toys and it's about, I, I believe deep in my soul, it's about to become an island of misfit toys like you've never seen before. I've been debating about using this story the whole time because I normally ask people before I use their story, but... I'm going to use it anyway because I didn't ask this person. 
One of my favorite people in the church, and I, I know it sounds weird, but yes, I'm a pastor, and I have some people that are my favorite, and I have some people I don't even like. Um, but I love you, and I'm glad you're here. Um, one of my favorite people in the church is Angel Bailey. And I deal with Lisa, because I like Angel. And um, they came to our church, gosh, a long time ago, three or four years ago. Frustrated, because they'd been part of so many churches where they'd invest their time, invest their family, and then find out because of who they decided to love, they couldn't be part of the church. An angel came incognito. Man, they've been here for a while because they came on the other side. They came incognito one time, came home and told Lisa, and Lisa was done. She told me I wasn't going to church. She said, and then she Googled me and realized how screwed up I was. Like, I'll go check it out one time. And um, they showed up. And since that time, we've kind of become an oasis of people who just want to love who they love. And I know I sound weird when I talk to those people because I'm always like, oh, we're so glad to have you. Hey, I need you to meet Angel. And I always want them to meet Angel because, man, what she would probably say religiously in her life, spiritual life, was a dark time, a time of frustration, a time of anger, really has equated her ministering to so many people here. God, we're a good family, and we love each other, and we have a beautiful son, and why do we just want to go to church, and why, why can't we find a church? And maybe God was just getting them ready because he knew the little church down here in the ghetto would have a lot more people that went through that in life, and they were able to minister to those people. I love that story. I'm always like, yeah, I meet Angel. And every time they come, I want to meet Angel. Angel ain't here. So they have to sit there. I need you to be at church Sunday. I need you to meet somebody. What a powerful story. I, I bet if they were to look back now, she'd be like, I don't understand all that, but man, just amazing ministry here now from what in their life was probably frustrating times because they wanted to be part of a church. Times they didn't understand. God was just getting them ready to, to impact people on a level that I can't because I haven't been there, done that, don't understand everything about that. But they do and God does. Sometimes the bad times are because God's getting ready to do something in you. I'm hungry. Let's pray.